Hi, everyone, and thanks for coming back. Today's episode is on Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. As always, you don't have to watch the movie in order to listen to the episode, but we do always recommend it as we will not be straying away from spoilers. We're going to be changing things up a bit for today's episode and doing more of a free-rolling episode and discussion. So let's just get rolling. I'm your host, Audrey. And I'm your co-host, Shree. So sit back, relax, and please don't silence your phone while we check your cinematic pulse. have you watched this movie oh my god how many times have i not watched this film this movie probably (laughs) like i know i told you earlier i haven't watched this film in probably a year but i watched scenes from this film often so like really we'll get into the leap of faith scene but i saw that scene (gighs) i was just thinking about that scene it's literally it's the scene scene. that made me go see the film so let's really since we're already here let's talk about first impressions so yeah <laughs> you go first because you know i have a lot to say because it's like my favorite <laughs> no i'm film. so i'm so excited about this i'm so excited for you to nerd out for uh, an episode i love this film. um my first impression you know i think like a lot of stuff i think it was wes who made me watch this i think we were just in one night having some pizza and we were just looking for something to watch and i saw that it was already on that it was on netflix and I was like, oh, that, that Into the Spider-Verse movie is on Netflix. You want to just watch that? And he was like, yeah, okay, let's just watch that. I've heard it was good. And I was like, okay. And I think we just watched it. Like, I didn't have any preconceived notions. I'm not even entirely sure that I'd really seen a trailer going into it. I just, like, knew that it existed and decided to watch it. So I literally had no thoughts going into it. I was a blank slate. And you thought? And I thought... What did I think? What did I think? Like, I don't know. I just, I just enjoyed it. Like it was, it was a surprisingly good movie. It was one of those, I mean, we've talked about how great a medium animation is Mm -hmm. and how your, your goals can be limitless Mm -hmm. with an animated feature. And you were only, you were only stopped. Limited by your imagination. That and whatever sources you have that, like, whatever resources you have as far as animating goes, you are only stopped by technology and your animation, or your imagination, excuse me. Right, and and so I watched this movie, and I I was pleasantly surprised because it wasn't, it it was a little bit elevated intellectually. Um, There were some great writing moments in it, so a little bit of symbolism that I was like, oh, that was, that was very well done. Like, it wasn't just a straight kids movie. It it actually does kind of fit into the MCU. Mm-hmm. And I think ultimately once I got to the end of the movie, I was like, oh, oh, this does actually fit into the MCU mm-hmm. a little bit. Even though it's And a Sony I think film. that's what I appreciated. Right. Even though it's a Sony film, even though it's Sony Studio 42, um, 42, 52, 42. For- it's 42. For- right? it might be 42 pops up in this film a lot. So. I know. And I was like, I'm pretty sure it's Studio 42. And then I questioned reality for a second. But I don't know for sure myself. <laughs> um, And so, yeah, even though it was a, a Sony film, it did nicely fit into the MCU, um, especially then something we'll talk about later, uh, which we figured out when we were on the phone together. And I will bring up later, but I don't want to bring up now. Um. But yeah, I I just was like, oh, that was a much that was a much more mature movie than I was expecting it Breath to be. Breath of fresh air. It was definitely yeah, it was definitely like funny for mm-hmm. sure, but it wasn't just like watching like a straight kids movie, right? And I was like, oh, that was a really good movie. I was pleasantly surprised, and then I think I was like, I'm gonna watch that again. As much as I love this film, would you believe that I was very hesitant about seeing it in theaters? Really? Why? Because the movie, the animated film that I think preceded this was the Emoji Movie, which was widely panned. I think it only had a 6% freshness on Rotten Tomato. Did you say 6%? 6%. You know what this film has on Rotten Tomato? Oh, tell me. 97. What? Which a lot of films have 97, but like for an animated film, it's pretty great. Yeah, yeah, that's unheard of. I remember seeing the the teaser for this film 
And I was like, I love Miles Morales. I was a fan from the inception of this character, mostly because I was like, it's great. Like, I know, like, a lot of people would, like, really didn't... A lot of people didn't see the reason to have a black Spider-Man. But honestly, why not? Let the character breathe a little well, bit. This, Give the, some more. The character's been around for forever. No. This was not like Spider -Man, the inception yes. of Miles Morales' character. Right. Like, Spider-Man's been around forever. He was going to have similarities in his story. But, so, let me... Let me but really... I mean, like, that's what I want people to understand mm -hmm. is the character of Miles Morales, a, a black Spider-Man, existed before this movie. This was black not like the Puerto beginning Rican. of the character. Black and Puerto Rican. That's mm -hmm. true. That's true. <laughs> And his mom is wonderful. I love his mom. Uh, Rio is wonderful. Um, and and I think I I realized that when I was watching like Wes playing one of the games where you can play as Miles. And I was oh, like, oh, that that game. I w I have a note about that game later. It's so good, and it okay. it plays into the current art. You know, our Spider Verse Spider Man. But yeah, oh, so really? I almost didn't see, like, I, I had, I knew I wanted to see the film because I loved Miles Morales, but I didn't really want to see it in theaters, mostly because I just didn't have the interest. But I believe mm -hmm. this film had just come out right after Black Panther, or right before. They came out around the same time, so you had these two iconic That's they did. black characters coming to screen around the same time. And I know and I had like, seen- And like, oh, don't ruin it, don't ruin it, don't ruin it. And they both were epic. They were yes. both very- epic in their own ways and they did a lot for um just black superheroes in general it was awesome mm -hmm. you saw you know all these like black boys and girls are like oh i see me on screen now right. you know, i'm a superhero yes so it's so awesome to have that in those episodes but i initially saw this 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 trailer and i was like it looks funny like it just looked weird to me and then what I, about the trailer looked weird to you it's how it's like animated production wise yes or... it's how it's okay. animated because they mix 2d and 3d they do two mm -hmm. or 3D animation and put 2D art on top of it, which I, I can talk about forever. But that'll be more. I will later. ask you to talk about it because like I need you I need to understand why you would why you would geek out about that. <laughs> so when I saw the trailer, I was like, oh, that's funny, that's cute, blah, 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 whatever. And then I think the movie had been out one weekend. One whole weekend, and there was a scene that got ripped from somewhere on the world where someone watched it and put it on YouTube, and I was like, let me see what this is all about. So I did a thing I shouldn't do Ooh. as a lover of film. I went and saw this, you know, little scene. Um, I was, it was the leap of faith scene. And I was like, oh my God. Oh, you watched just that snippet of the just scene? Just that oh, man. snippet. The best scene in the How whole film. I the know. The best scene in the whole film. And you watched it out of context. It, it made me appreciate the film even more. Like everything that led up to that point. And then when that point happened in film, like, ugh. So that's the scene that made me text my brother and say, we're seeing this movie next weekend. You better not be busy. And Aaron, I mean, understandably so. It gives me chills every single time I watch it. Aaron and I went saw it. And I I remember just, I, I remember just gripping the seat the whole film. Like just gripping Aww. my seat. And I was like, I have never, ever seen something like this where you're watching because my, I don't know about you, but seeing in theaters, I had like my eyes were trying to adjust for like the first 15 minutes of that film. Oh, it's got to be visually overwhelming. Because, yes, because you have, again, 2D and 3D coming together on the scene. Every single shot has some kind of 3D in it. It has some kind of 3D. It is. It's a little trippy. It is. It's a, it, cause it's like, think about how we used to the watch movie, 3D films. It used to be like the red right. and blue little goggle things, and now they're just putting it in the film, and we don't even need the goggles. Mm-hmm. That's oh, yeah. true. I don't really think about that because yeah, you'll well. So here's here's the thing. Um, because I have a depth perception problem in one of my eyes, I can't really process 3D. Mm -hmm. So I don't go see 3D movies. Um, I don't like because it even if I put the little when I put the little glasses on, like my my eyes are just straining the whole time, like mm -hmm. trying to process something that they can't process. It's like being colorblind, but not. And I tell people like I can't see in 3D, and they're like, "What are you seeing in right now?" I was like, "It's different." I'm like. 40 y'all <laughs> leave me alone <laughs> i mean technically yes you are living a 40 life yeah leave me alone i just can't watch 3d movies i no uh, i couldn't even tell you the last 3d film i saw no one goes and see those anymore i'm, I'm sorry they're they're a cash grab. like i know mm -hmm. the new little mermaid actually is supposed to be in 3d but i'm also like i'm not gonna see oh is it 3D. i think so no i'm not gonna bother i, the never, way I never do the way they've been uh advertising it on screen like when you watch the trailer on tv they like 
superimposed some of the uh, the film on top of like the black, you know, the the sixteen by nine letterbox we have thing. They moved oh, some of that in front of it or on top of it to give where it, it comes effect. out. Mm-hmm. It's really oh, cool. Oh, they did that when they re released the Lion King too. Did they? Where they did it like in yeah, because I went they re released the Lion King in with in three D and I went to see it despite against my better judgment and they <laughs> did that too where they did it like letterbox style and then had stuff coming outside of the frame of the movie to to enhance the three D effect and I was like oh well okay that I can process so I can process that would that be cool because I have a hard depth for my eyes to see mm-hmm. but the glasses didn't didn't make any difference they just give me a headache too so i feel you but like yeah. that's why it took me it took me a good 15 minutes to adjust to watching this film because i'm like i kept blinking i was like mm, i oh, want right, to enjoy this eyeballs. so much but honestly the the film itself and the animation and like all the creative things they did to make this film on top of all the music on top of the score by daniel pemberton he did not have to go that hard for us that man mixing <laughs> hip-hop music oh. with beautiful classical pieces like get out of here so man. good he he went so hard good. i am so like excited. if he and samuel kim aren't besties they need to be i'm when i tell you i'm just excited for all the music from this film be it the the various artists they're gonna have you know those um mm-hmm. uh, and that and daniel pemberton's score i'm so excited i'm so excited i loved the music in this movie uh so so excited um i believe the the year this movie came out this the the whole soundtrack of into the spider first made it into my spotify rewind as a matter of fact i'm pretty sure eight oh i'm you know what i'll look right now go go look i want to (laughs) know i think half of that album made it in my top 10 in one of these spotify rewinds can you show me? I don't think I ever have had. No, I take it back. The Batman soundtrack definitely would have made it into my most listened to stuff. Sunflower and Elevate were both in my top 10. Elevate is probably my favorite from the album. And then What's Up Danger and Start a Riot were all my top 15. <sighs> Love and then in my top 25, Love. Scared of Dark and Familia. Like every song. I mean, I'm looking mm. through this. Every song made it into my 2019 Rewind. Oh. And also, Into the Spider-Verse with Daniel Pemberton itself made it into my top 100. And yeah. I know another one did. What's the other one? Okay, maybe it's that one. And then, of course, most of the Black Panther soundtrack also made it in. Ooh, that is also a great soundtrack because, oh, what's his name? Um, Jorensen. Mm-hmm. What's his first name? Hold on, I got you. Ludwig. Ludwig mm-hmm. Jorensen. Mm-hmm. Because he's amazing and has no chill. And I, I didn't realize that he did the um, the soundtrack for Black Panther until I was watching The Mandalorian and was looking at, like, was wanting to go download like, songs I recognize from that name somewhere. And I, well, I wanted to look up songs from The Mandalorian and I, and I was looking him up and then, you know, a, other work by him came up too. And I was like, hold up, he did Black Panther? Oh, no wonder I love his music. <laughs> I, I love the Black Panther soundtrack. So good. Like... I think Marvel does a great job of finding great composers for these films. Oh my gosh! Like all of the composer, or all yeah, well, all of the composers and artists for um, Shang Chi. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, that soundtrack is also amazing, yes, it is. and they also did a fantastic job of finding, um, well, just Chinese, either Chinese born or Chinese um, composers. Mm-hmm. Chinese American composers and just did a fantastic job. Like they pulled do like they pulled a kid from like not not obscurity, but there was somebody who'd really only been like TikTok famous. And then I think it was Rich Brian. He'd got a lot of followers on TikTok and then they pulled him to do Shang-Chi. And this is why I'm like, Samuel Kim deserves this big break too. I know. Where is Samuel Kim and everything? <laughs> Someday, man. We're gonna make a movie and we're just gonna hire him. We're just gonna get him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Far too late by the time we get to him, but I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> so, Audrey, what was your favorite thing? What are your favorite things about this film? Oh, my favorite things about this film? I am the wrong Obviously person we, to Obviously, we ask. loved the music. But I when did. don't we the enjoy music. the music in the films we pick? I know. It'll happen at some point. It'll happen. We'll watch a movie and be like, I loved everything, but I would have changed the music. I'm sure it'll happen. I'm sure the movie's out there. Hmm. Um, I I loved Fisk. As a villain, because oh, yes. I, I just I just love I love Fisk and just in general I love the Kingpin in general 
And so then having him be a villain, I got super excited about, um, especially his entrance. Uh, and here's here's a reason that his I love. His entrance is so good. Oh, it's so good. Clicking the pen and everything. Like, oh, here's one of the reasons I love animation is because you can have a character like the Kingpin come into a scene because he is supposed to be this huge hulking figure. And then you can take animation and then you can make him just unrealistically large to the point where like he fills a room and and you can really embody that feeling where if you try to do that in live action you're i mean like obviously the how they cast him and how they filmed him in like daredevil Mm -hmm. was really really good they did a really good job of it but you can that that sense of a character literally filling the room with their energy and their presence and their physicality you can do an animation where you can't do that in live action Mm -hmm. and they did that a lot with the kingpin's character but then speaking of villains this has got to be spoiler alert this has got to be one of my favorite villain reveals ever um in doc ock yeah. And having it be Catherine Hahn's Dr. Olivia Octavius. Mm-hmm. I was not expecting that. I mean, like, I guess, in, you know, in hindsight, like, you should have known, like, you're in, like, a different universe, quote unquote. And so you're going to get different villains. And which is you, because you already knew that Fisk was the villain for the movie, you mm-hmm. weren't expecting you to weren't. see another one. And what was wonderful is my brother, Aaron, he's, he, after the film, was like, I can't believe it. I can't, like, I like, I was like, I was not expecting Doc Ock. He's like, I knew it. He's like, Mm-mm. caught it from a mile. But I was like, yeah, you're a nerd. Get out of here. Oh, it was just so, oh, it was so good. I absolutely loved it. Plus, I love Katherine Hahn. Oh, I love Katherine Hahn ever since I saw her in Parks and Recreation. Oh, which you haven't seen. Oh. I'm sorry again. Oh, she plays a, um, like an all business quippy campaign manager. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, she's somehow like still exactly herself, but I just, I love her and I love her delivery and she just had such gravitas on screen. I'm so glad that they then brought her into WandaVision to be the villain in WandaVision, which I also, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen WandaVision. WandaVision <laughs> it is was all along. You know that song charted after that show, that episode came out? It charted, I was like, as it should. I'm so, as it should, because it's an amazing song. Another musical outburst for Cinematic Pulse. I warned y'all. I warned y'all last episode. It happens once an episode. Uh, so abs- I love her, and then I'm like, and she, here's the thing. I didn't realize it was her until I watched it again. I had seen it like one, maybe two times. And then when I rewatched it to do it for our podcast, I was like, that's Catherine Hahn's voice. Because I had seen her in enough stuff now to recognize it. And I'm like, girl's got a villain voice. I don't know what to tell you. She's got a great villain voice. She's just great in general. She's just great in general. She deserves all the She's just great in general. Yes. She really does. Um, I, I need you to watch Parks and Rec just so you can understand whenever I say Poncho. Someday. Why? Because her, it was, it was a one-liner from her, and so of course it's iconic. <laughs> I literally have written in my notes just in all caps with like 11 L's, just the Doc Ock reveal. L It's so good. It's so good. It's so good. Um, okay, so if we're doing questions, I want to know, okay, because I know that you absolutely love this movie, but I'm going to challenge you. What was your least favorite part of the movie? Damn. Um. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Hard um, questions. My least favorite thing. How it's too mm-hmm. short. It's too short. There's not enough. Um. <laughs> my, you gave me like a resume answer. It was like, what would you say in an interview? Is your is your greatest weakness? My my greatest weakness. Um, caring too much. <laughs> Dang. You know what? That's what that was. I think it's weird to even answer it this way, but I feel like the part where the spider people descend upon the like dinner thing for Spider-Man, I feel like the movie slows down just a little bit there. I feel like it had great pace into that point. And then they go in and they're like, oh, it's Fisk and Fisk Tower. And, you know, he obviously down below Fisk Tower, they're doing the whole um, collider thing and obviously picks up from there. But I, I, I felt like the movie... You just had this really cool leap of faith scene, and then it kind of like 
you're you're you got to this amazing point in the film and then it falls a little bit and then it rises a little bit and i also will say the fist fight between miles was oh i would say a letdown because i i liked um the callback to his uncle and the hey um mm-hmm. that but was great mm-hmm. it, i felt like I, I wish it had been a little longer that those are the only you do two love things. a good fight scene though that's definitely your bread and butter i feel like this I think, next film is not gonna pull the punches i think it's really i think it's gonna be exhilarating the whole time do you think that this one is gonna directly fit into the mcu i hear rumors that it might and i don't want to i'm i i'm even getting goosebumps thinking about it i don't want to <laughs> i don't want to set myself up i just want to enjoy it as it whatever it's going to be as it is um i totally have my hopes up i desperately hope it fits into the mcu i really do ask me what my least favorite thing is because it's so wonderful (laughs) you know i just say be so heartless the fist fight was just a little underwhelming other than that i mean it was fine it's fine i think what made me like it more was his dad cheering him on in the background oh my heart Mm. Uh, we were we were laughing about that afterwards we rewatched it just again today just to make sure that i had like everything fresh in my mind and like when he does the the he goes and talks to his dad at the end but as spider-man and does like the deep brooklyn accent he's like you did you did good work out there today i love you <laughs> pleasure so good and then he, when he says i love <laughs> Look you forward without to working with you right and he says the i love you just in his normal voice and his and, and uh, his dad is like wait what his dad's like yeah, wait what <laughs> so i want to i want to oh, say something so before good. we continue I want everyone to realize why Miles Morales is such an anomaly as far as popularity. This character's conception was August of 2011. It has only been, it hasn't even been 12 years. It's been 11 years since this character was conceived and put into comics. Wow. Between. I mean, in comparison to OG Spider-Man done in like the 60s and 70s. But like this, this, he, his first debut was 2011 and the film came out seven years later. That's how much wow. he grew in popularity in such a short time. And there's actually a lot of discussion about the Peter Parker that we see now on screen is actually a lot of it is based off Miles and his pal Genki, his roommate in this film. His name is Genki. I wondered about that because he looks um because he's his roommate is of Asian descent. I don't know exactly what nationality, but I was like I was like you're talking about like Tom Holland Spider-Man, right? Yes. A lot of people I wondered about discuss that and say that his Peter Parker is actually based off a lot of Miles Morales. I don't know how true that is. I haven't gone in to look enough. Um, either way, I like that. Even if that Peter Parker is based off Miles Morales, I really like the Miles Morales we have in this movie and in the video game. Um, what I when actually did that re- video game come out? It had to have been at least after twenty nine, at least twenty nineteen or later. Um, I'd go stand up and pick up my copy of it, but then I'd make too many scratchy sounds and I don't want to do that. <laughs> but I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of like, especially the musical hip hop scores we have in this film, it carried over into the uh, Miles Morales Spider-Man game. Not only that, they also brought back Jaden Smith from this soundtrack into, um, he made an original song for the Spider-Man game, the Miles Morales game. So, oh, Jaden Smith is heavily involved in at least the music making. It seems with both of the both iterations and just Miles Morales in general. So I'm really hoping because I loved awesome. his song for the soundtrack. That's uh, awesome. Yes, yes, yes. Um, they actually used a song from his album Aries when they promoted when they showed the teaser trailer for the Miles Morales film. Um, that one, oh man, I love that song. Can't think of the name of it right now. But then he also did, like I said, the ori- an original song for the video game as well. And it's, oh, I love, the- that game is so fun. Um, but I love that they, like, I love this mixture and I love this, like, universe. We're b- building around this one character, even in different iterations of that character. Like, we have movie mm-hmm. Miles. We have video game Miles. We have Miles. We have just so many different versions of Miles, but it's just we have it's Miles, so Miles. fun. <laughs> we got Miles on three. No. <laughs> But, you know, uh, I just wanted to point that it. out because it it, so it, he's become so popular in such a short amount of time where at first people were like, we don't That's need a black awesome. Spider-Man, but here he is and everyone loves him and we don't Forget want him to go people. away. I don't care about those people's opinions. Well, <laughs> time itself just shoved in their faces that, uh, in fact, we did want this and look how popular he is mm-hmm. not even 12 years later. 
Yes. Well, here's the thing. Like, and this is the thing I, I love about America is that, like, race doesn't necessarily matter for you to get behind a character. Right. Like, I love Miles Morales and I'm white. Like, I don't care. Exactly. He's awesome. He's just a lovable character and it's like, you just want, you just love it. It's like no different than why we just love Spider-Man. You know, we love Peter Right. Parker. Well, it's the same thing why I love Black Panther. Like, you you will still catch me doing, like, Wakanda Forever and going to Ibombe all mm-hmm. the time. And I don't care because it's just that awesome. It's just great. You, It's like you said. You don't have to. It doesn't matter what your race, your creed, your color is, or your sexual orientation. Mm-mm. You can get behind anything if you believe in it. Right. That, that doesn't. There are no boundaries on being awesome. That doesn't matter. <laughs> exactly it can be awesome just because right. it's awesome. Exactly right. <laughs> Leave that on t-shirt. There are no boundaries on being awesome. Um, yes. Oh, okay. I'm going to look at my questions that I wanted to ask you. Oh, I wanted to ask you about the animation because we brought it up. And because I feel like I noticed it, but also I didn't notice it because of like, I don't, it's not astigmatism. I don't know what you would want to call that, but my depth perception problem mm-hmm. um, is I, I especially did notice it with Peter Porker. Um, because I, I noticed it about like three quarters of the way through the movie that Peter Porker is traditional 2D animation. Like he's flat with a highlight on him yes. to like make him look a little bit less jarring. But it really reminded me of like, um, like Looney, have you seen Looney Tunes back in action? Mm-hmm. I, I love that movie. That movie's hilarious. But it reminded me of that, of, of live action with like 2D animation, like superimposed on oh, live yes. action. And that's exactly and that's what, what it reminded this is. me of. Well, it, it, with with Peter Porker, it was like the reverse. It was like right. the the halfway three D animation with two D animation imposed on top of it. Well, think about all the characters, all the Spider People. As like, I would obviously, I think Gwen, Miles, and Peter B are all the same. But Penny Parker is obviously animated in an anime style. Look at her anime eyes. They're yes. so cute. Oh, made me so happy. Oh my gosh. Her little her little anime eye shimmer mm-hmm. when when Spider gets gets bit or not bit, but like well he gets bit, like he hits the dust. <laughs> but like her little anime eye shimmer and I was like, oh my uh, heart, I want to cry. It's so right cute. Now. It does the, yes, it, it does a little shimmer. Time. And then obviously <laughs> you have traditional uh Peter Porker and then you also have um Spider and Noir, who's also a little more flat. <sighs> And he's also just black and white and gray. So I like to drink egg creams and beat up Nazis a lot. <laughs> That's like my favorite line from the movie. <sighs> he's wonderful. I actually him lying on the couch with Nicolas Cage for one thing. Like whose idea? Right. Was it to cast Nicolas Cage Perfectly because cast. it was amazing and I want to shake their hand? <laughs> Before Miles Morales' inception, Spider-Man Noir was actually my favorite version of Spider-Man. I didn't even know that Spider Noir was a thing. Lo- actually, like, the, there's this a, is my first introduction to that. There, oh my gosh, I love Spider Man Noir. There's actually a whole comic book set I want to like buy because I love Spider Man Noir so much. Um, but crazy. so yeah, they are all they're all stylized differently of their own. You know, like again, anime style. You have the Looney Tunes style. It's all great, but as far as like the film itself and how it's animated, so. When they filmed this, when they wanted to make this film, they didn't want to lean into the realism we have gotten so used to with, like, especially Pixar. I remember seeing Toy Story 4 in this film. I'm like, it looks too real. It's almost uncanny. Mm. Like, I remember specifically the scene where Woody and, is it Forky? I don't even, Sporky? I don't know what that little utensil is. I'm so sorry. I've not seen Toy Story 4. It's fine. For people who have seen it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But he and that fork (laughs) utensil thing are walking around at night. And I remember just, I was in awe of the animation because it is beautiful. The realness is beautiful. Don't get me wrong. But they were like, we don't want to lean into that. We want to lean really far into creativity, imagination, and we are going to make this look like a comic book come to life. And that's exactly mm-hmm. what they did. Like, if you were to pause this film at any point, they wanted you to be able to pause this film and be like, that could be a comic book panel. And mm-hmm. not only do they do that, they actually emphasize that in the film. There are times where they, you have the animation and then they snapshot it for a second as if it was coming out of a comic book where they put like the Ben Day dots on top of it, which the Ben Day, okay, let me, one track at a time. <laughs> no, I love this. I, I'm so I'm really enjoying listening to you geek out. I feel like I'm learning so much. Uh, it's just so wonderful. But yeah, so there there's a moment the where um Miles is running from the prowler. The prowler has seen him and he's jumping over the tracks in front of a train. And for a moment the film like 
changes color and it looks just like it came out of a comic book and they did that on purpose mm-hmm. and then again there's another chase scene later where miles is in his uncle's um apartment and he's chasing him again and then they cut the film into panels as he's being chased and then you see it again mm-hmm. in the leap of face scene when he's falling it goes it cuts into like seven panels or something across the screen it's insane mm-hmm. they were not it. pulling any punches with this film and it shows so the way they animated was so it good. was no different than anybody else. They did 3D animation, but then after they rendered that, they had their artists go back over it and put their 2D art on top of it. That's I think that's what made it look so funky to me because I like couldn't wrap my brain around it mm-hmm. for a while. I'm sitting there staring at it like, why does it both look hand drawn and computer generated? Like, what am I looking at right now? That was and continue. Sorry, I really liked it. Mm-hmm. No, no, no I, I really liked it. But like, please, please explain that to me. <laughs> well, it was in my like it was it was in my, when I was in theaters watching this. It was the moment where Miles finally is able to do his Venom strike. Mm-hmm. For the first time when he's, like, all wrapped up in his um, desk chair and his dad has just left. And the the screen focuses in on his eyes. And you see the, like, the black around his iris, the brown iris, is there's a little bit of, like, color coming out of it. I'm like, oh, my God. That's when I noticed, like, oh, my God, this is art. This is, like, literally their art over 3D animation. It's just, it blows my mind. But they also, to mm. continue that, like, realism of you're watching comic book in motion is the Ben Day dots. Mm-hmm. And for people who don't know what those are, if you read, like, especially even classic Spider-Man, you'll see how they used to have these Ben Day dots of, like, oh, man, I don't want to get the colors wrong, but it's, like, magenta, yellow, and Well, they were, they were, yeah, it's, like, the RGB, it's, yeah, it's the, the RGB, RGB kind of, like, your base yeah. colors that that are create are used up to make a comic panel when it's mm-hmm. printed mm-hmm. and it's the it's mixture of you know of your prime it's color. your primary colors yep. right it's your primary colors all blended on top of each other to create a, a panel it's a it's a printing thing if i'm not mm-hmm. mistaken correct yep um yeah so that's what that's what those are is yeah you're right is it's a, a quick way to print lots of color without running out of ink immediately right and so yes yes and so they also implemented that in the scene again to give you that comic feel. What's even funnier is they give you that comic code thing at the very beginning of the film, which actually used to be, uh, they used to put that on all films because I think there's one point, I don't, I want to look it up, but I don't. But there used to be a comic code where it's like, oh, we don't feature the devil or something in any of our, in our, in our comics or something. The government was what? after comic books at some point. It was weird. And they're like, oh, this is the comic I mean, code yeah. of conduct or something like that. But they showed that at the beginning of the film. I had no idea what that was at the time. But I heard people laugh oh, about it in the theater. And I was like, I'm going to have to go back and look at it. It's at the very beginning of the film. It's the first thing you see as you hear the, the music start. Um, but yeah, so oh, that is just a very condensed version of how they animated this film. Oh, that little stamp, like approved mm-hmm. by the Comics Code Authority? Mm-hmm. Oh, see, I thought that was just some kind of tongue-in-cheek thing, but oh, okay. Apparently, it's like the the censor standard for comics to make sure that they're appropriate for children. Right, right, and yep. that they don't entice them into devil worship, which is never a good thing. Don't do devil worship. <laughs> PSA. But some other like small little snippets they made, like some other things they did in this film that I want people to appreciate is. They did a lot about symbolic, they did, there's a lot of symbolism in the way they tell the story without using just words. So the way, like, the way Miles is animated pre him, his origin, his leap of faith scene, his origin, Inception, Mm -hmm. he is animated in fewer frames per second than all the other spider people because they're already pro spider people. So for example, when you watch the scene of Miles and Peter B. Parker running out of alchemex miles is moving in fewer frames per second than peter b parker because he's a pro spider-man they did this that's gonna to be make... so hard to animate i don't even want to think about it i've watched a million and even... a half videos oh i'm gonna gosh. actually recommend people go watch the quarter crew episode of end of the spider-verse they explain this they explain a lot of things that i'm explaining now but probably better um in fact much better because i'm not an animator but 
what? This is perfect for me because it's it's. Here's the thing. This is on my level. I would get. I would be drowning in any more information than what you're giving me right now. So this is perfect. <laughs> so frames per second for people who don't know is this is how many frames you're fitting in. Like I think we talked about it a little bit in our discussion about um. We did when we brought the up Hobbit. the Hobbit when we were talking about other movies to watch mm-hmm. and you were explaining why the movie looks goofy. Right. There he there are less frames used per second to animate him than someone else. So then they would frame they would. They would animate or draw like 12 panels for him versus Peter Parker might be 24 because he's going to look smoother and Miles is going to look clunkier until he becomes his his origin. His He actually becomes Spider-Man, that universe, is, that mm-hmm. dimension Spider-Man. And I want people to appreciate that. That's something else that has like wonderful storytelling there without were... them telling you. There were so many, and we love show don't tell. We love, love show don't tell. Uh, there were several instances that I noticed, like especially like talking about it being comic book e. Like obviously it starts comic book e, but it's not until after um, Miles gets bit, bitten. Uh, it's not actually until after he gets bitten that um, we get like the comic panels really start to like. They, there's yes. a shift in animation, and it's not after until after that that we get like comic panels that we get. Um, thought bubbles we get one of my, one of our favorite parts where he gets he's in school and he's had his first day where he's going it's just puberty and <laughs> runs into i think like the gym coach or something like that and he or this oh it's the security guy and he's like morales i know you snuck out last night and his brain goes play dumb who's, who's morales, morales? <laughs> not that dumb the the thought bubble is not that dumb my favorite thought bubble oh, that comes out we... continue sorry oh. No, 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 I was just going to say we had to watch it, like, twice because we were cracking up too hard. The My favorite bubble that comes out is, again, when Miles and Peter B. are escaping Alchemex. And that lady's like, he's got a bagel! And then they switch. <laughs> Peter throws the bagel to him, and um, he takes the monitor. No, he takes the, um, not the monitor. He takes the, uh, the not the What, router. the CPU? Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Man, my brain is blanking real hard on what that actually is called. Anyhow, he takes that yeah. from Miles, and Miles, as they run out the door with their, like, guns and lasers, Miles throws the bagel back at the lady, and it bounces <laughs> off her head and says, bagel. <laughs> it's, there's so many small details in this film that's like, I'm you can watch this watch movie it. once. You have to watch it multiple <laughs> times to catch and you can't be on your phone you either. Be. This is not a movie where you just like put it on in the background and scroll. I mean, you can, but you are going to miss 90% of the movie because it's visual, because it's like watching a comic book in action. You know, I said Inception was a visual feast. If Inception is a visual feast, this film is a visual gourmet buffet. It is all say, you can eat. This is a literal smorgasbord. It is all you can eat. Thanksgiving meal, dinner, Easter, Halloween. Everything you could possibly ever want to eat is all sat in front of you. Just you eat it with your eyes. It is just plus leftovers. Plus leftovers. They give. They keep. Like oh my gosh, even in the dang credits, they animated the credits so beautifully. Oh man. Oh, I didn't even watch. I didn't stay for the credits. I didn't watch the the credits after the film. It's so beautiful. Oh, it's so funny. I listen to the music, but I don't really pay attention to the credits a whole lot. Um, I will go out of my way to watch just the credits. Um, aw. <laughs> I appreciate everyone who made this listen film. to the music. Aw. Let's go buy them. Get them a, get them a fruitcake. Get them a gift basket. <laughs> um, no, there was, talking about Show Don't Tell, there was one thing that I noticed and I wanted to um, bring up to you. Just, I mean, the amount of intention that went into this, obviously, we've, this has been what we've been geeking out about, but... Um, you know how there's like when they meet um, another Spidey person, um, they're like their, their Spidey sense goes off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the first time that Miles meets the original Peter Parker, um, their Spidey senses go off, but his, um, Peter's go off as red and blue, but Miles go off as like pink and green mm-hmm. or like purple and green, right. like Hulk colors. But but they're and they're off and then as you're watching them and they're watching their spidey senses go off his slowly start to adjust and they fine tune and then they turn red and blue as he actually sinks. i think his first one was like when um he first goes down into the oh man he's how do... man my brain is trying to catch up with the film he's back down there where he's go he goes back and checks out the spider that bit him and his mm-hmm. senses go off and i think they actually do go off blue and red first because something is smashing through that window behind him 
I right. think. No, and not the first time, that, and this is not the first time that his spidey senses have gone off, but it is the first time where he's met another spider person. And oh, okay. gone off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's special. And I and that's when his senses go off differently until he, like, fine-tunes and they, like, sync with each other. Mm-hmm. And after that, every time he's in sync with all the other spidey people. And they're always like, I thought I was the only one. And up until three days ago, I was the only Spider-Man. <laughs> well, think about it. Within two days, he's he, he becomes Spider-Man within two days. He's like, and after speaking two days, of, I'm the one and only Spider-Man. Speaking of time frames, and I want to ask a question. We're going to kind of get into, like, MCU uh, correlation here. Um, was the, when we talk about, ooh, when we talk about Peter Parker, the blonde Peter Parker, the Chris Pine Peter Parker, which mm-hmm. love Chris Pine, love Chris Pine as a voice actor. I've loved him as a voice actor ever since he did Rise of the Guardians uh, when he played Jack Frost. That's the movie we should absolutely talk about as well. Love that film. I'm so glad you said that. Oh my goodness. We'll put that in like the Christmas movie bucket. I love that one. Especially that the Boogeyman. Oh, Jude Law is amazing. In fact, his voice I is illegal. His voice, his voice is illegal. I, in fact, his voice was so amazing as the Boogeyman. I thought that he was. Um, I thought that it was voiced by Tom Hiddleston. Ah. I thought that he was like full evil Loki, and I was like, "That's got to be Tom Hiddleston." False. It was Jude Law Jude giving Law. us what we do not deserve. Absolutely not. Oh, I love, love that it. movie. And Hugh Jackman is the Easter Bunny. Uh, we could talk about the casting of that movie all day. Let's, I digress. Let's, let, us, let us wait until Christmas. <laughs> what was I talking about? You know, I forgot. Oh, I forgot too. That's okay. Um, hold on. Let me let me ADHD rewind here. We we're talking about casting. We're I want to while you got it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I had a question about the timelines. Mm. Um, the blonde. The blonde Spider-Man, the Chris Pine Spider-Man, says, uh, for the past 11 years, I've been the one and only Spider-Man. Right. But then when we meet Peter B. Parker and we get his background, he says, for the past 22 years, I've been the one and only Spider-Man. hmm And so now I'm wondering, holy crap, for one, has it been 22 years since we got the... Which one's the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man? I think the first one like, came out which- in 2002. I think I think the first Tobey okay. Maguire was two thousand two because I I'm pretty sure it was post nine eleven. Yeah, two thousand two, and was the was the Tobey Maguire Spider Man, um, and then twenty eighteen was Spider Man into the Spider Verse. So, so it would not have been twenty two years. It would have been. So what? Nineteen ninety six. Eighteen minus two, something like that. Hold on, let's see. I'm gonna Google Spider Man nineteen ninety six and see what pops up. Are you trying to make it fit in the timeline? Um, I'm trying to figure out where it fits in the timeline. Well, you can't even you can't even really consider that because Chris Pine references it. Oh no! Okay, so it is. It is. A, he's a specific Spider-Man. He's the Amazing Spider-Man. He's the he is the first issue of the Amazing the Adventures of or not Amazing Spider-Man. It's the Adventures of Spider-Man. Okay. And he's he's the first issue of the Adventures of Spider Man came out in 1996, and he was going up against the Punisher. But then, so I guess my question is: Is Tobey Maguire supposed to be the same Spider Man as the Adventures of Spider Man? Don't know, but honestly, it feels like with all the rumors we're getting, that might be answered in the next film. I really so hope so. Man, I hope the next one. I really hope the next one lines up with the MCU. Well. Okay, I want you to talk about the leap of faith scene. I do, uh, because I want... Because this, comes, this boils down say. This boils down to why I love this film so much is this scene. Because there's so much storytelling that happens with this character up until that point. And then we see the culmination of little bits and pieces of the story coming into that scene. So, some things to point out. Something incredibly important, I feel like, especially in this scene is um, actually right before this scene happens, Miles finally has that conversation with his dad. I'm not going to lie. When his dad comes to his door and he doesn't say anything and he just tells his son, he's like, you know, I love you, son. He's basically like, you know, it's why I push you so hard is because I see the spark in you. Literally, Mm -hmm. this man has sparks. He literally has electricity he can use. It's insane. 
the writing matching symbolism. symbolism. He's like, I see this sparking you. And then like, oh man, I'm trying not to get emotional. What I love about the relationship between Miles and his dad is it kind of reminds me of me and my dad. I will say Aww. his dad is probably a little more harsher. I do too. I'm a big fan. My dad was not nearly as harsh, I feel, as Miles' dad. But when it came to education, my dad, hell no punches. My dad's like, I don't oh, care true. what you want. You're getting straight A's and you're going to college. I, there was no other option. He didn't even want you to work in college because no. he wanted you to be so focused on school. No, he did not. He did not. Like, I ended up working the last two years of my college career, which benefited my grades You were like, Dad, I'm going to get a job because that's what humans do. And not only that, but it just helped my grades significantly. And then once he saw that you know having a job wasn't making my grades worse he was like okay you know what keep doing your thing proud of you get straight a's for me (laughs) but like that really resonated oh my gosh resonated with me because i was like my dad always pushed me in education too even when i didn't like it um i think Mm -hmm. i've told you some stories but i i felt that in you know his dad accepting him as he was and the things he wanted to do is something i also had with my dad because I was 16 when I told my dad I wanted to work in films. And he was like, mm-mm. He was like, you need to go get a real degree Aww. first. Broke my heart. Oh, that's like my parents when I told them I wanted to be a rock star. <laughs> <laughs> my dad's like, they're like, no. And I was like, that's going to be hard. He's like, I think you need to get a different degree first. He's like, maybe after that. And I, I was like, I, at the point I lived to like, please my parents, especially my dad. And then, you know, I finally got my psych degree and then... 2018 2019 i was like no we're going for the film degree now i've lived long enough for other people and watching my dad like bawling his eyes out when i got my film degree was everything so relating that and then miles and that scene and he just he's like okay the people i love are the people who make me and you see as the film goes on like there's the when miles is anxious he can't unstick right so Mm -hmm. you see miles coming up in the leap of faith scene He's just had this talk with his dad. He's like, okay, no. I need to go become Spider-Man. He goes to Aunt May's place. He gets his suit. He decks it out the way he wants. He makes it his own. Just like all the Spider-Man people mm-hmm. before him, they make it his own. He makes it his own. And it's such an iconic scene when the superhero finally gets up in their suit. They finally get dressed in their suit. And they finally, they're having this moment. And he goes to the top of this building. And he sticks. He can't unstick himself. But what does he do instead, Audrey? Hmm. he jumps and the glass breaks with him because he couldn't unstuck himself, unstick himself he oh, was still anxious he was still scared and he forced himself to jump even though he was still sticking and these... hold up I think you just connected some dots for me because I I thought for like I didn't really process the glass breaking mm-hmm. until right now when you just said that they make I don't a really point think I appreciated that they make a point to show it breaking they get a close up of the glass breaking off of the the building and that's where the yeah. you have your leap but there's, of faith you there's have a reason for that it's not just artsy mm-hmm. you have oh, it's, it's believing that. in yourself so he jumps and then you see all those comic book panels of him like rushing down it looks like he's falling to, to into the city but then they invert the shot. It makes him look like he's mm-hmm. rising into frame. Oh, I'm sorry, goosebumps. Gives me goosebumps every time. So he rises into frame. He's ascending towards his destiny. He's becoming New York's mm-hmm. Spider-Man. And then he starts leaping through the city. He starts running around the city. There's a scene, or excuse me, there's a quote he says, again, I keep referencing the Peter B. Parker and him running from Alchemex. You know, Peter B.'s like, you need to start swinging. He's like, I'm better on my feet. So what does he, what does he do? He incorporates running with his swinging He's running off the mm-hmm. building, leaping off the building. He's running off of buses. He's shooting his webs. He's doing both of those at the same time because he's showing, he's using what he's good at. He's making Spider-Man his own. He's going to run. Mm-hmm. He's also still wearing his Air Jordans. Yes, I love that. I love that part of his costume. He's like, nah, I'm going to be me and Spider-Man. And I don't need to be what you guys think right. that I'm supposed to be and align with what exactly your origin story is wound up being. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think... That's probably why his character resonates with um, with Gwen so much, with with Spider Gwen, mm-hmm. because she. I mean, I don't know a whole lot about her, but she also is another Spider Man that doesn't just have like the feet of her suit. She wears her ballet slippers. Yes, yes. Oh my. Because yes. that means something to her character. It's again. It's like you're incorpor- You can't. You can't be other people's Spider Man. You can only be yourself. Because how are you going to be successful trying to be someone else? You can't be. Mm-hmm. You can only be yourself. And that was what's so beautiful about the scene. Like, even um, when he's first going out and trying his, like, spider powers out, like, he goes up one of those big old buildings, 
and he's like, okay, we're going to jump. And then he doesn't. And then he goes to a smaller building and he's like, okay, we're going to jump. And he trips. And as he trips, um, you see his screaming fall down in the frame with him as he falls. Well, in the mm-hmm. leap of faith scene when he's like jumping and like getting his bearings of Spider-Man, when you're having him this origin moment, when he leaps up the woo, follows him up the frame, up into the, or up the screen frame by frame Mm -hmm. it's beautiful all these little callbacks it's confidence not panic right yes all these little moments keep popping up from earlier in the film to incorporate into the scene and that's why this that scene is a master class of filmmaking you've sprinkled throughout these little bits and pieces up into the small moment and you really gotta like i want people to pay attention when they watch this film like i'm telling you what to look for at this point Watch how they sprinkled it in to these little moments mm-hmm. all the way up through this film. And then finally the payoff in this, the leap of faith scene. It is This scene and all those moments leading up to that scene is why I call this one of the greatest films of the century thus far, if not the best. Mm-hmm. It is my favorite film of this century so far. It tied with my favorite film of uh, The Shawshank Redemption. Those are my two favorite films of all time. Mm-hmm. There's so much more Aww. I could talk about this film, but like, I'm very, I just love this film so much. I want people to understand like why I love it. You have all this beautiful you, And you have to just watch it to understand you why somebody to. can geek out about it. Because it's not, it's not just the visuals. Like it is, it's the writing. There was so much intention, like I said, there was so much intention that went into every choice of making this. They didn't mm-hmm. just like, they didn't, they didn't just free ball it. Like they, there was conscious choices made, which brings me to like one last thing i want to talk about before we wrap which was i remember having a conversation um with you specifically about like when um spider-man no way home was getting ready to come out like we knew there was going to be a spider-man movie and you were paying attention to like artists on instagram who had worked on previous stuff Mm -hmm. and they were dropping like some fan art that had potential easter eggs in it Mm -hmm um for spider-man no way home and so this movie as far as where it fits into the mcu because this came out before spider-man no way home um and it it literally makes that movie possible because this movie confirms the existence of the multiverse right before any other mcu movie so for like anybody who's like just a casual mcu watcher like you just go see the marvel movies because they're fun that's kind of like that's where my parents fall Mm -hmm. in in that spectrum is like whenever they have questions they have to go ask me and i have to explain to them like where stuff popped up before and like why stuff is significant and they're like oh okay that makes sense Mm -hmm. and they just go back to being casual viewers but that's where this movie came in and it's like this movie is crucial, especially because of its animation style, that if you're just a casual MCU watcher, you're probably going to have missed this movie. Mm-hmm. I don't think my parents saw it. If, if I was ever going to recommend a movie for people to watch to really appreciate and love film, you don't even have to be a comic book fan. You don't have to be a comic book fan. You don't have to be an MCU or a Marvel fan. This is just a film to go watch, to learn and understand and appreciate filmmaking as an art. It is literally a visual art piece with a beautiful story laid on top of it. Yeah, so that's why this movie was important in and of its own right is because it literally made No Way Home possible and it made Multiverse of Madness possible. Mm-hmm. It, it made those things make sense. It made those things be not the first time that elements of those movies have existed. Like right. they didn't just pull them out of the ether for like a one-off. It's like, no, no, there was there was a definitive lead up to having a multiverse and having different Spider-Mans and different things that exist Shoot, in different, we got different places Lokis. and having access to them. Right. Oh, don't talk to me about it. I still haven't seen it. I'm so bad. <sighs> but I but I know that. I do know that for one. But I need to watch it. Maybe I should make maybe Wes is home, by the way, for all for all of you listeners who have not seen uh, Wes is home. So we need a TV show to watch. So maybe I will <laughs> make him watch Loki. Um, final thoughts. I don't think he's watched it either. Do you have any final thoughts with End of Spider-Verse? I could honestly talk about this movie for two more hours, but we, we have to I, I was going to say, like we do, this This is something we're going to try to do for you guys because um, I know that breaking things down into two episodes gets kind of monotonous. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to try... We're going to try to condense our geek outs into a single episode. This is maybe the wrong time to attempt to do that. Why did we <laughs> do this, this to my heart and soul? 
we can revisit this later too. We can definitely revisit it after the movie comes out. Yes. Cross the Spider-Verse we'll comes out it. June 2nd? I believe it's June 2nd. I'm seeing it on June 3rd. Breaks my heart. Oh, how dare you? Um, okay, last, it's, and it's, it's, it's a tiny thing. There was one thing I wanted to bring up because I noticed it just, it was two things I wanted to bring up because I noticed them just today. One of them was um, an animation choice. And if you blink and you'll miss it, like so much in this movie, um, it's when Miles is having his sticky freak out mm-hmm. and he tumbles out the window of the security, the head of security's office at Visions. And he tumbles out the window and he's, um, he's like sticking to the building um and he's he says something and it's before i think it's before he says keep sticking um but he says something and his uh dialogue bubble pops out of his pops out next to his head but if you watch the angle of the camera the angle of the camera switches from where it was facing into the window and it turns and faces down at him Mm -hmm. but that means that his character orientation is now flipped and the dialogue bubble pops out backwards. It's, I'm telling you, if there was ever a movie based on intentionality alone, it's this. Every I was like, I'm sorry, what? Thing, every, and they I thought had of to everything. back it up. I had to back it up because I was like, that had to be a mistake. Like, they must have just, like, they must have just miss, missed something in rendering or in, in whatever. And I backed it up. And I was like, nope. It tracks with the logic of the camera and his character position. And I was like, that blew my mind. They thought of everything. Again, a master class in filmmaking. I cannot oh, stress the- it enough. If you're going to watch any movie <sighs> we have discussed thus far. If you far, need to learn anything about filmmaking, just... This one. And there are uh, millions and millions of articles. I I think I said this. I have a literal book on the production of this film. And I've, well, I've read it. Do you really? Oh, it's massive. That's I'll amazing. send you a picture of it after this. I need to see this. It's, it's the encyclopedia it's of bigger filmmaking than my face. as told by Into the Spider-Verse. It's bigger oh than my, my face. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. My friend Katie, who um, is an animator, got it for me for my birthday one year or Christmas. She got me a lot of milestones. Oh, bless. Um that okay then speaking of intentionality and just well done filmmaking the other little tiny thing that i noticed was there's a point when his his roommate walks back in um ganky. at the end when all of the spider people ganky i don't think they say his name in the movie they don't but i just know it ganky just so people know uh i believe it means energy in japanese energy or like happiness like it, it's hard oh. I, i'm obviously not japanese i can't i don't know for sure but it, it's as much as I've looked up his name, understood the meaning uh, of it, and then heard it. Energy would make sense, like, Energizer Bunny, because he's up all night. I've heard it in animes, so from like, oh, it, it makes sense. It has to do something with energy, like having energy and things like that. Oh. It kind of so, makes well, sense, too, because he's up all night on the computer. That's literally what I just noticed, because, like, the, his first night, he's up all night, and then the next morning, he... <laughs> poor miles wakes up and his pants don't fit and i think like he's having all these thoughts and he goes <laughs> i think he says like i think i hit puberty or something but he says that one out loud mm-hmm. and his roommate's just like um. what uh so there's this point at closer to like the mid end of the movie when all the spider people are in his dorm room and genki walks in and he's got his headphones on and he's listening to start a riot uh-huh. which is my favorite song from this soundtrack Lo- i've that done song gets i've done aerial real videos loud in the to car. it oh my goodness i've got like the rap memorized on that one and it's a good thing i did because i'm sitting there and i'm rapping it as as the movie's playing and as he's listening to it, because I just love the song so much, I couldn't help myself, you know, musical outbursts, as I do. <laughs> and I'm rapping it, and there's this point where, for some reason, I can't remember what it, what it was right off the top of my head, but for some reason, the music stops playing because, like, Inky notices them or something, or his headphones get knocked askew or something, but the music stops. And then it picks back up again. I'm still rapping because I didn't realize I wasn't expecting his music to stop. Uh-huh. When the music picks back up, and it cuts out completely. It doesn't just go quiet. It cuts out completely. The music picks back up, and it picks back up at the spot that it would have if you had just turned the volume down to zero and then turned it back up. And I was still rapping, and it lined that's up impressive. perfectly. And I was like, and that's not a brag on me. That's a, oh my gosh. I never noticed that myself. The music. They literally just turned it down. 
They They literally just turned it down. They edited it down and then punched it back in so the timing was right. I was blown away because that's not something that audio editors usually do. A lot of the times they'll just like edit it back in as if the music had stopped Mm -hmm. and they'll pick it up again later or they'll just pick another random point in the song or like jump to the chorus if you're going to do like a musical cut. Mm -hmm. But they didn't. They kept it like synchronous with the rest of the scene with the music and I was like, bruh if i didn't like this song enough already i have one last question for both of us Ooh, okay yes favorite line or lines oh no favorite favorite lines okay um favorite line or lines uh we talked about it before we started the episode Mm -hmm. but when when miles has had his hero moment and he's like and he has accepted his spider-man destiny and he shows up at the end fight scene and he's talking to peter b parker and he's got his hand on his shoulder and he's like you did it you figured out how to turn it off and on on command i'm so proud of you bud do i want kids <laughs> his stream, like he's probably like as much as i love miles the stream of consciousness he just has stream of consciousness he just talks everything out loud which is you by the way <laughs> yes I was like, that's, that's that Audrey. Because you don't, I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast, you don't have inner monologue. I think we maybe briefly mentioned it, but but yes, that is exactly how my brain works. And I'm thinking about two sentences ahead at any given moment so that I don't hopefully say something completely stupid. It still happens occasionally. Uh, but that is how my brain works because I don't have an internal monologue. It just kind of comes out. It's, I just, I think of crazy. pictures and then I put dialogue and words to pictures and descriptions to pictures that are in my head. Um, <clears throat> like for, like for instance, to explain that to people who are going, what? Um, when I think about like, I need to go to the grocery store. I don't think the words I need to go to the grocery store. I envision myself in my head, like a scene from a movie walking into the sliding glass doors of a grocery store. And that's what tells me, that's my reminder that I need to go to the grocery, is watching movie Audrey. This is why I imagine it's hard for you to write stories sometimes. Oh, it's so, it's agonizing for me to write stories because I'm basically novelizing a movie that's playing in my head. And that's hard. Mm -hmm. Like, kudos to the people who novelize movies because it's difficult. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's what's, that is what's going on. So hopefully that just means that when I finish my book, it'll be like instant print to screen kind of feature. Let's hope. (laughs) We can just immediately turn it into a TV show. Um... That one, okay, so that that line, and then um, at the beginning, because this is the kind of parent that I'm going to be, is when Miles' dad is dropping him off at school, and he says, <laughs> I love you, and he leaves, and then over the cop car PA system goes, you gotta say it back. Hey, dad, are you serious? <laughs> My heart, I cried with laughter because it was so serious and it just froze the entire screen and I was like that's amazing and that is the parent that I'm gonna be Wes loved it too because it was like that annoying like big brother moment that oh you, yeah like, embarrass your siblings oh, yeah. dropping them off at school like and that was me that was how I was I was a sibling to my brother and sister was like I would roll up in my Honda Odyssey just absolutely bump in with all the windows down and picking my poor brother up from band practice <laughs> I can assure you my oldest brother did that to not only me and my brother Aaron but um our brother Aaron he also did it to his kids I have video evidence. Oh, you gotta. It's hilarious. You absolutely have to. And so that just spoke to me. That spoke volumes to me because I was like, yes, because that is the kind of parent that I will be. Okay, your favorite line. Um, I love, again, a not so funny. Well, the the discussion his dad has with him. And, you know, I I see a spark in you. Mm. Love Mm -hmm. that monologue. But uh, the funny ones, the one I remember from the trailer that makes me laugh every single time I see it is... Uh, they've just met up with Spider-Gwen in the forest after the Alchemex scene. And Miles is like, how many more Spider-People are there? And Peter B is like, save it for Comic-Con. Love that one. <laughs> Gets me every time. And then my other favorite funny one is everything Peter B. Parker says is iconic, though. But my other favorite one yes. is they're in Aunt May's little Spider-Man lair. And they're looking up at Spider-Man Noir. And he's like, his jacket's billowing in the wind and whatever. And Peter B. looks at him, he's like, where's this wind coming from? We're in a basement. <laughs> iconic. He's so I iconic. Love I love him so much. So, yeah, I think those are two of my favorite, two of my favorite 
Oh, speaking of meeting up with Spider Spider Gwen, the other one that I absolutely loved was uh, after she's cleaned up her hair after the whole sticky scene at the school and and poor Miles just awkwardly goes, I like your haircut. And she just goes, you don't get to like my haircut. That one lives in my head rent free because I'm like, dude, as a girl, I would be up set if all of a sudden I had to do like I was forced to do the shaved side head thing and I didn't want to she wears like as cute as it looks I would be mad yeah (laughs) oh okay well uh that with that that concludes today's episode um I hope that you guys liked us trying to condense it a little bit more and just geek out um with a little bit less script for an episode let us know if you Um, want to talk more about this film because you know I can Right. Let us know if you do want an episode two. We will absolutely give you that because we are so prepared. Um, So be sure to be here next Friday for our next episode and we will see you guys next week. Cinematic Pulse is edited and produced by Cherie Jackson. The episodes and theme are written and performed by yours truly. Make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, and you can find Cinematic Pulse on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Thank you so much for listening, because we just checked your Cinematic Pulse. Roll credits. Roll credits.